Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup. And you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25, in natural mint. Here's to the winning combination for 2022, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB while supplies last. You're listening to an LA Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit LAKings.com slash podcast. You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. The NHL entry draft is in Montreal this year and will take place on July 7th and 8th. That gives us four little weeks to get you up to speed on who's available and, more importantly, who the Kings might select. Joining us today is Will Scouch. We'll be sprinkling in some other draft experts between now and the draft as we switch back and forth between draft prep and looking back at the 2021-22 season. So, you ready to hear about some draft prospects? Let's go. Joining me now for the first episode of our uh, draft preparation, Will Scouch. How are you doing today, Will? Oh, I'm doing well, Jesse. How are you? I'm excellent. Thanks. Why don't you go ahead and let anybody know who's curious about the work you do uh, preparing everybody for the draft every year, where they can find your work. Yeah, so uh, I'm Will Scouch. I'm the founder of Scouching.ca, which is a website for anyone who's interested in NHL draft content from scouts to people, just regular old people. Uh, it's, you know, I, I do a lot of hand tracked data sets for these players. Uh, so I check them out over the course of the entire season. They culminate in video reports on YouTube, uh, on the scouting YouTube channel, which, uh, they're, they're coming out fast and furious now. Um, there's a lot coming down the pipe in the next couple of weeks before the draft. Um, I do written reports as well on McKeensHockey.com, which is a great, uh, website that is always worth checking out. Um, and yeah, so I just kind of wear a bunch of different hats in the NHL draft world and, uh, put in the work, watch hundreds of games a year and, uh, try to get a good understanding of what's out there for the draft. If, if there could be such a thing as an expert on, uh, draft prospects, I think you qualify. <laughs> I try, I do what yeah. I can. I do what um, I can. So in past years, I have, uh, liked to approach this by, tackling each uh prospect pool one at a time so the chl the ncaa well i sure. like to split the chl up into its three component leagues the ushl the national development program finland sweden russia etc 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 uh this year we had less time and the king's picks are less uh enticing for lack of a better word than they have been in in recent years (laughs) sure um so we're just going to focus on left shot defensemen today and this is more for the folks at home than for you will but um the kings are probably not going to take a right shot defenseman i would wager at the moment they already have i think nine (laughs) in in the system i never Um, have too many I mean, at some point you can, as it turns I out. Know. That's true. Yeah, definitely true. <laughs> Probably not going to take a. Se- I mean, obviously, best player available. But uh, having said that, if they can avoid taking a right shot defenseman, they probably will. If they can avoid taking a center, they probably will, because they have Kopitar, Deneau, Byfield, Lazat, um, Kupari, Thomas, 
Turcotte, uh, Madden, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We know all the stories about some of those guys switching to wing. I'm told, Will, and you can verify this for me, that this is a weak year for goalies. Yeah, probably. I mean, I'll never, I'll never count out goaltenders because sure. you never know. There but sure. there's no, there's no Wallstead Askarov kind of guy. I don't think. Right. So we're not going to focus on goalies, and that leaves wingers or left shot defensemen. And the reality is that the shallowest part of the Kings prospect pool is left-handed defensemen. So we're going to start with uh, seven of them, Will, and I'm going to go in a sort of a wonky order. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm going to start with, and correct me uh, on the pronunciation of some of these names. I'm going to start with Pavel M- Mintyakov. Yeah, that, there you go. You got her. Okay. And the reason we're starting there is that he is ranked sixth on the na- NHL central scouting list, which means he's probably not going to be available right. when the Kings eventually draft uh, in the first round at 19, assuming yep. they don't trade the pick. But I wanted to get his name out there if for whatever reason he fell or if the Kings traded up. Um, and for whatever reason, decided that he was a guy they had to have. Another reason I'm starting with him uh, is his somewhat unconventional path to draft eligibility. What can you tell us about uh, Pavel Mityakov? Yeah, I mean, so he uh, he's a Russian kid. He's been with Saginaw all year, and he, they were not a particularly good team this season. They got the first overall pick in the OHL draft, and Mityakov was a pretty major offensive catalyst for them this year. Um, I mean, Pavel Mintyukov, I think, like you mentioned, I'd be surprised if he were there for the Kings at 19. I think it's more likely, like, I feel like he's a guy that will, that has value that's worth picking in the, in the teens somewhere, but I feel like a team will jump up and take him, you know, once, once I feel like in the NHL draft, once a couple of really high end defenders go off the board, more defenders start going off the board because teams don't want to lose those those mm-hmm. high-end defenders that are in the draft. So I get the feeling that he might not be the first, second, maybe not even the third defenseman off the board. But once those guys are off the board, then he'll be he'll be right there. He's big, he's skilled, he's pretty rangy. And in my work, he's put up really good data in a lot of different ways that I think, you know, project him relatively well. Um He's one of the more, he's had in isolated moments, some of the more fun moments from defensemen, like stepping up from, from the blue line, like pulling pucks around four checkers who are trying to get, uh, get at him. And, you know, he's about, I think, maybe 6'2", six, 6'3", six, and really sort of seeing a guy that big on the back end that can move pucks with skill like that. It's, it's really impressive. So he has some impressive moments. He's a pretty physical guy at times. Just an interesting, well-rounded defenseman that I think could wear a few different hats with a, with a little bit of development down the road. Um, and yeah, it might be it would be surprising for me to see him at 19. But I mean, if he's there at 19, and, and, and if you want a defenseman, then that's probably the guy that's close to the top of your list. I know that a lot of fans, myself included, have a hesitancy to get too excited about Russian prospects. Um, There's no transfer agreement, I believe, between the NHL and the KHL. Players can be drafted and still have years left um, on their contract to their Russian teams, but he's playing in North America already. Yeah, yeah. So he's already come over to North America. Um, You know, and I mean, on that point in general, I find that everybody brings that up, but it never really becomes an issue. Like, when was the last time it was a problem? Like, people were saying that about Vasily Podkolzin over and over and over again. And he was open about being like, well, I'm going to spend two more years in Russia and then we'll see. And everybody was kind of freaking out. It's like, well, what if what if two becomes seven? And it didn't. Like, he was honest. And he's like, yeah, in two years, we'll see. And the Vancouver Canucks brought him over and he played for them this season. So, um, 
you know, like Nikita Kucherov was a guy who, when I remember when he was draft eligible all those years ago, part of the reason he was a second round pick was because teams didn't think he was ever going to come over. And it took, I think he came over that year and played in the QMJHL like that season or the season after. So people can talk all they want. Um, I find that usually talk like that's a little bit overblown, especially in the context of most of these guys, especially outside the top three, ideally, generally don't play in the NHL for two years anyway. So if, if a player's outright saying, like, I'd rather stay at home for a couple more years and, and, and play there, I'm more comfortable there, I like my coaches, blah, 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 then I'm willing to believe them. And, you know, it's all about building a relationship. So, but he's already over in North America. You're right. Um, I think that that helps. Uh, I don't think there's that much risk of him going back because um, I believe Saginaw was supposed to be playing in last year. I think he didn't, I don't even think he played any games last year. Um so he's pretty dedicated to being in North America, which is good. Um, it just, it, you know, I don't, I just don't think with him specifically, it'll be much of a factor this year. Well, like I said, I wanted to start out with him because it mm-hmm. seems unlikely that he would even be available, but I wanted to cover uh, the bases. Yeah. Improbable, but not impossible. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so now we're going to sort of work our way backwards. Um, and next up is a guy and NHL central scouting uh, had him ranked 53rd. Um, among international skaters, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And the Kings have the 51st overall pick, so I'm not entirely sure how that works out. But uh, he is also uh, a Russian defenseman. He is still playing uh, in Krasnaya and is a lot smaller. And Vladimir Grundinin? Vladimir Grudinin. Grudinin. I'm going to butcher all these names. It's okay. Yeah, we're getting, we'll get there. Um, listen, I know that... I mentioned this in a, in a recent episode where we were talking about analytics and I'll bring it up here again, because I'm, it's a little mental exercise that I'm very fond of. And I refer to it as the Ratatouille conundrum. Uh, And that is people watch the movie Ratatouille. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Will. Oh yeah. Big time. Okay. So what would you say the moral of the story of Ratatouille? Uh, well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because I don't really know where you're going. Well, let me tell you what I don't think the moral is. Okay. (laughs) I don't think the moral is that rats should cook. No. (laughs) I think the moral (laughs) of the I think the moral of the story is if you happen to come across a rat who can cook, well then don't let the fact that he's a rat stand in your way of enjoying his food. Okay. Yes. But I don't think that you should go out into the streets of Paris and start rounding up rats and throwing them in your kitchen. Absolutely. Uh, The reason I the reason I bring it up is that smallish puck moving defensemen are in vogue. And I don't think that you should ignore the talents of a defenseman because he's small uh, and fast, but I'm also not entirely sure that I would start running around the streets of Paris, rounding up undersized swift defensemen and throwing them on my blue line. Right. I understand. I understand that. And I think, I think that filling your line out or filling your entire group of defensemen out with players like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're barking up, you're barking up the wrong tree when it comes to construction. I, 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 at least, at least you have to be very careful. You know, I think, I think the same can be said about the opposite end of the spectrum, right? Like sure. you cannot, you can't load your defense group with just a bunch of six foot five lurches that have trouble skating <laughs> pucks, yes. right? Like True. You, you might, you might need like a Curtis McDermott or something back there, like one, you might need a Radko Gudis. You don't need five of them, mm-hmm. right? Like there's that, that, that can be detrimental to other areas of the game that are important. Um, but I think, and what with me, like I am much more, I would say favorable towards defensemen that don't carry a whole lot of size. 
but it just changes the equation with which I evaluate a player. Like it just changes things a little bit of you gotta, you gotta be really special in certain areas, or at least show the capability of be, being special in, in certain areas to really make me want to believe in drafting the player, um, especially on defense. And I think, I think that, you know, with forwards, I think it's arguably a similar level problem with smaller players where you really got to be sure that they can, mm-hmm. they can, they have, you know, it's not even just about being physical. It's, it's, it's how they play in general and, and what they're good at and what they, what they aren't so good at and how those things might work out in the NHL. So when I look at a guy like Vladimir Gardinin, I mean, he played in the KHL for quite a bit this year with, with, with a good team in CSKA Moscow um, he bounced around to the three different levels that they play at this year and, and produced pretty well outside the KHL and even in the KHL had a couple of points here and there, but I don't really look at production as like a massive indicator of, of upside generally. Like it's a good indicator of someone who's been playing well, but I, it's why I track data myself. Cause I'm not really satisfied by just looking at production and with Gradinin, he's a player that I think checks a lot of the boxes where I'm going. All right. Yeah. He's five ten. Sure, granted, but he is, he checks a lot of boxes that I think make up for that lack of what, maybe two or three inches that you ideally would like to have. You know, he's probably one of the quickest players getting out of pivots and changing directions and adapting to the flow of the game. Like playing in the KHL, he was stepping into defensive transitions a lot and not really putting himself out of position too badly. Um, you know, closing out those plays pretty well. Obviously, it's not perfect. If he can, if he stops moving his feet, he's a lot less effective as a defenseman, and that's a big problem for smaller defensemen. Like, you know, I fully admit this is a game of inches, and in a game of inches, if you're five foot ten and you're defending, like that can be a big difference. If you have him, you know, or would you rather have someone who's maybe six three and they have that reach, that that extra half a foot of reach or whatever that could really help them in those little just miss things by inches situations that can happen. I'm, I'm going to throw out another detail yeah. though, because the, the thing that, that I found eye popping to me, five ten is not that short right. um, as a five ten right. man <laughs> myself. Um, it's the one fifty nine, Sure. Um, because five ten one fifty nine is slight. Yep. Five ten two hundred is, you know, a fire. Chunky. Yeah. Yep. Fire plug. I believe yeah, is a of phrase that gets used a lot. Yes. Um, so now look, he's young. These we're all talking about kids and kids can bulk yep. up. Their bodies can change, but that's, but when I talk about small, I'm, I'm including, you know, uh, body type as well. And I confess I've never yeah. watched a I, single game of this guy. I mean, at the end of the day, I look at results. Like I look at how do you play this game? Like mm-hmm. how, what results are you putting up? And, and a lot of the games I watched, he was playing in the KHL and that, that to me is important. Like the KHL is not a perfect league in terms of NHL projection. And I think that a lot of that comes down to how they defend and the style of hockey that they play, which can be chaotic and noisy and sort of not, you know, the NHL loves to get pucks to the center of the ice and loves to get those high danger chances. Like that's the ideal goal. Whereas the KHL seems to be a lot more just get pucks on net, follow up on rebounds, you know, north-south rush offense and just shoot from wherever and maybe you fool the goalie here and there and i but i feel like with grudina he kind of bucks the trend i mean yes he's light but i also see a player who has tremendous skill with the puck or at least very good skill with the puck a player who is very quick on his feet and and if you pair him with 
you're going to need to pair him with the right guy. Absolutely. Um, I think that he will also need to get stronger, of course, like along the boards is where he could kind of have trouble, but he works really hard. He's physical when he needs to be. He can, he's good with his stick in terms of stick lifts and turning play around. And, you know, he's not, he's not perfect, but again, if he was ranked, like you said, what, 40 something in, in Europe, like you might be able to get him in the fourth round. And, if you're drafting in the fourth round, like I am drafting him 10 years out of every 10 years. Cause it just, you bet on the skating and you bet on the the defensive abilities that he has for a guy that skates like that, uh, playing defense. Like I, and it, it's to the point where I'm going, yeah, he's not small, but he's also not big and he's not chunky, but he's, you know, he, he kind of makes up for it in other ways and the results are still positive. So if he does put on some weight and he does sort of, go in this direction that 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 is more positive then you have someone who ideally is better than he already is and he already gets pretty decent results at a, at a in a good league as a 18 year old where in the khl they're notorious for not playing kids many minutes but he played a, a decent role in a lot of the games that i watched another guy taken in the fourth round who uh fits that profile it sounds like is jordan spence and yep. i like that you said you pay attention to results because anybody who's paid attention to the results in jordan spence's career Right. Know, knows how good he is. He seems to um, be doing okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and cracked the NHL lineup for uh, more than 20 games, I think, this year, and yeah. did uh, quite well. So uh, yeah. that would be a, a nice pickup in a later round. We're going to next move to uh, Matt Lindgren, not uh, the one that everybody's familiar with. Um, right. He is ranked 47th among North American skaters by NHL Central Scouting. Six foot, again, left shot defenseman, playing in the WHL. Uh, what do we know about Matt Lindgren? One of the weirdest case studies for the year. Some people like him. A lot of people are pretty down on him, mostly because they really don't know what he's going to be. Like he, you know, we just finished talking about Vladimir Grudin, and, and I see kind of a lesser version of that player there. He's he's really interesting with his footwork the way he opens his hips and he uses that mohawk skating that people love to see to sort of open up the ice and i'm, get sorry, a I'm, look. Gonna, I'm not familiar but, with the phrase well I'm it's like it's to... like when it's like when he uh i'm trying to figure out how to explain it like he opens his he puts his heels inwards points his toes outwards like kind of to turn to turn his body his like hips are facing out but his feet his toes french are fry not pizza yeah like the opposite of french like pizza so like if gotcha. you're pizzaing on skis it's the opposite right and he's kind of using he uses that to turn and and navigate around the ice and and it's useful in some situations for sure but he does it a lot and it can be sort of limiting because it kind of removes his forward momentum and 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 he kind of has trouble breaking pucks out a lot of the time when i watch him because he he kind of does this a lot and and ends up having to resort to passes. But I mean, when he does that, he's a pretty reliable passer. You know, he's not a guy, he's a guy who I think you need good development out of. Like he's, he's a guy who makes a good first pass. He's good with going D to D and sort of monitoring just a very safe, generally player with the puck on his stick. Um, In the offensive zone, I want to see more. Like he, he has the capability of not just being a guy that, that gets the puck at the blue line and lobs it on net. Like he has, the skill level and the interesting footwork to sort of mess around with defenders a little and pinch up a little bit and play a little bit more offensively, but he kind of doesn't. And it's a little bit perplexing to me defensively. I think he's also a work in progress, like just closing gaps and managing gaps well and getting physical. He's, he's kind of a little bit behind, I think the rest of the draft class in that area, but 
He's very young for this draft class, which I think gives him a little bit more time to sort of settle in. He produced pretty well uh, as you know on a pretty good team this year as well. Um, you know, and I think that 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 matters in a sense. But he's a guy that I think is a nice blank slate. Like I wouldn't pick him in the first round. Depends on who's gone in the second round. I I might not do it there either, but. Maybe if he, I mean, and I could see a world where he's there in the third round, you know, early, mid third round draft pick, you bet on his feet, you bet on his skating, you understand that there's, there's issues that might need to be worked on. But to me, you got a strong foundation and it's like, I might encourage him to be a little bit more confident with the puck and a little bit more focused on North South play rather than keeping things a little bit more reserved and going D to D a lot more and going lateral rather than sort of pushing play up the ice as much as he does. So He's an interesting one, though. I, th- I think a lot of people rightfully point out concerns with him, but I think at the same time, like, I could see a world where he sort of fits in sort of down the lineup on an NHL team, being a nice sort of puck possession guy that doesn't, you know, shoot the lights out or anything, but has some moments of of being an interesting sort of 200-foot impact defenseman that you kind of would like to see a little bit more offense out of. We're going to get a little bit bigger and a little bit better. Uh this player ranked 42nd among North American skaters by uh, NHL Central Scouting. This is the midterm rankings now. Six foot one, uh, Isaiah George playing for the London Knights. Yeah, yeah. He's an interesting one, too. I, I, I don't mind Isaiah George. Like, there's lots of guys like him in the NHL. And that, that kind of makes it easy for me to look at him and go, okay, I can see why an NHL team would like this kid. Like, he's pretty fluid and mobile. He's really smart with his defensive positioning. And just, if, if you want a guy... And there's a few players like that this year. If you just want a guy who plays solid defense first hockey, I think Isaiah George is a pretty good bet in this year's draft. Like he needs to fill out a little more. He's a little slight, but he's physical. He shows that instinct to close gaps defensively, challenge guys along the boards, get get involved and and push guys out of out of lanes and and off the puck and all this stuff that you you know if you're an NHL coach you want your defenseman capable of doing that and he already does it at that age and at a level in the OHL for a team that's as good as the London Knights have been he's been a pretty key defensive player for them and the offense has slowly started coming out a bit i i like the skill with him he's got a pretty interesting set of hands it's not super high end but i think it's enough where i would want to encourage him a little bit more to play around with the puck a little bit more and 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 take be a bit more assertive with it because I think he's got the skating ability and the and the hands to do it but even if even if that doesn't happen and he's more comfortable just sort of as a more defensive leaning guy um I think NHL teams are really going to resonate with kind of the, the style of play that he brings um you know would I personally draft him in the first round probably not but if I've already like I look at the LA Kings depth chart right now and I see a ton of guys that are sort of these undersized skilled defensemen, right? Guys like Jordan Spence and Troy Stetcher's been there for a while. Sean Dursey's playing with the team now. Um, those guys, you know, like you you kind of have veteran guys who can do that and the young guys that are on their way up. And if you want just to sort of hedge your bets, kind of like they did last year, drafting guys like Kir- Kirill Kersanov kind of thing, you might be able to add another guy like that in a in a in an Isaiah George. It's not the most fancy pick in the world, but you know, if you get him in the second round and he plays on the NHL, you've done pretty well with that pick. Like if you get a player that can play on your team night in, night out, that's a good second round pick. And I feel like George could be that, even though I'm not as huge on him as some other people, but I think he, I, I could see a world where, where he's a decent meat and potatoes, defense first NHL defenseman with maybe some room to grow with the puck on his stick. 
looking at uh, some strengths and weaknesses, or not even weaknesses, just under construction improvements to make that somebody else came up with. The strengths, skating ability, uh, versatility to play different roles, athleticism, mm-hmm. closing gaps in the neutral zone, moving the puck in transition. That sounds like a pretty good defenseman. And yeah. then under construction are three things that I don't personally care about. Offensive point, <laughs> pro- offensive point production, whatever. He's a kid. He's a defenseman. Yep. You know, it'll come or it won't. Uh, calmer decision-making with the puck on his stick. Again, he's a kid. That'll come with experience, presumably. Yeah. And then uh, possibly a safer pick without a high ceiling. Uh, as you said, we've got Brant Clark, Jordan Spence, Sean Dersey, still have yeah. however many years left of Drew Doughty on the right, yeah. and Brock Faber and Helge Granz. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I was kidding earlier when I said there's eight yeah. or nine guys on the right. Now, some of them might be leaving in free agency, but even so, Drew Doughty, Matt Roy, Sean Dersey, Sean Walker, Jordan Spence, Helge Granz, Brock Faber, Brant, Brant Clark. Like It's going okay. That's what I want on the left side is yeah. safe guys without a high ceiling, right? Sure. Give me give me those all day long. So uh, yeah. I, I like that. And I would agree with that. You know, all of that that you just went over with him, I would agree. You know, it's and again, second round pick, even if a, even if he's a bottom pair guy that plays opposite of Sean Dersey. Not the end of the world. Perfectly reasonable. You need bottom you pair need, guys. Yeah. Listen, Matt Green gets, you know, maligned sometimes um foolishly i think because as far as i'm concerned one of the most important pieces of the king's two stanley cup runs is a third pair defenseman meat and potatoes mm-hmm. stay at home tough like you know not winning the norris trophy any year he's not on the no. cover of any magazines but yeah he's there yeah insanely important um yeah. so anyway uh we're gonna sort of uh Go to the opposite end of the spectrum again here. Lane Hudson, five foot oh eight, one hundred and forty-eight pounds. I know, thirty-first uh, among North American skaters by the North by the NHL uh, Central Scouting. So, what is it about Lane Hudson that's uh, so good that that people are willing to overlook an incredibly slight frame? Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I saw the news this weekend that sixteen teams didn't even interview him this weekend. So. Yeah. I feel like half the league just has no interest in him. Otherwise, yeah. you would at least talk to him. So. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll admit like, that's also, I understand why, like I, I get the, I get the line of thinking from NHL teams of why would I draft someone if I think they're never going to play in the NHL, which I understand. I get it. Um, and with Lane Hudson, like he's really small, but really, uh, I, I think he lacks the explosiveness that like a guy like Vladimir Grudinin has, for example, like he lacks that real quickness to pinch up and close gaps and, and play defensively that in a way that I think could likely overcome the size deficiency. Like Gradinen, I think is more, I'm more comfortable with that, but Lane Hudson, Lane Hudson is like what Gradinen should play more like where in terms of with the puck on his stick, he's more confident and, and skilled and deceptive and daring and creative. Um, Lane Hudson and a lot of offensive metrics I tracked this year, he just blows a lot of defensemen out of the water in terms of driving pucks to the middle of the ice, you know, getting pucks into the offensive zone pushing into the offensive zone himself and like really trying to create offense, a lot of passes, completing a lot of them, you know, really, you know, I I look at how players like Hudson and transition could struggle because they lack that sort of quickness, but the hands that he's got, if he reads oncoming pressure, he's able to change direction. He's, he's got a good sense of body positioning, finds a lane that can get the puck away from pressure and into safety and find, and does that a lot. And it, 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 it shows up in my data. It's, 
obviously he's an extraordinary long shot. Like if I'm, if I'm the LA Kings, like I'm not thinking about him in the first two rounds, especially considering how many guys they have that fit this, fit this role. But I think it just so happens that there's a lot of left-hand defensemen this year that play kind of like this style of play where they're also kind of undersized. um, At least the ones that I've seen a lot of. And I I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I fully admit he's probably not a guy that I draft as high as I have him ranked, but I just want him to be a thing so bad because (laughs) I think he could be one of these sort of, if he makes it into the NHL and works on his agility and mobility and just sort of gets quicker and more fluid with his footwork and closes gaps a little more effectively defensively and still has that sort of offensive game that he's got. He could be a guy that we're seeing on like highlight reels. Like I've seen him deep guys out to the point where they fall on the ice and go straight into the boards and he just goes right by them and does the thing. Like it's, it's just, he's an impressive player to watch I think he also got a lot better as the course of the year went. Like he started off pretty shaky. I was was kind of considering putting him way down my board, like late second, early third round. Like maybe if you can salvage something out of him, but he got a lot more comfortable and a lot more confident and a lot more uh, settled in. I would say over the course of the year, um, I've just become such a big fan of him after watching him a few more times over the last month uh, through the U18s and everything. Where I'm going, all right, like. There's concerns, and for the purposes of this show, I'm not sure he's a fit for the Kings unless it's like the fifth round and he's still available, and you just go, I don't know, like let's see what happens. If he works out, he could be a huge add. You know, I would rather have Lane Hudson than uh, a, a John Dersey, for example, if he's at his best. But that's a pretty risky bet to make. I really like him. I want him to work out, but I fully, fully can see the limitations in his game, and he does get burned for it from time to time. But He's going, I think he's going to Notre Dame. Like that's a good NCAA program. They, they like their smaller defensemen and developing them and, and working with them. And I think that, that that could be a good thing for him. So we'll see what happens. Cause uh, I want him to work out, but he's, it's rough. It's a rough. He's tiny. Yeah, yeah. He's Listen, tiny. His, his strengths and weaknesses, again, strengths listed skating, mobility, edge work, passing, good in transition two way play, creativity, hockey IQ, and work ethic. I think that's everything. Basically, uh, and then the negatives are size and strength. Yeah, and yep. it, it's a shame that this game. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's a shame, but but there are always these players that come along, and you go, oh, it's a shame that they're not going to be able to make it because of these things that are holding them back. And yet, and I want to make this real clear because I hear myself saying this over and over again. And I, when it comes to smaller players, like the Kings have Blake Lazat on the fourth line. Yeah. And I think Blake, and yes, I have said repeatedly that there are many nights a year where Blake Lazat is the best player on the team. And I say that completely unironically. And, and I don't believe I'm being hyperbolic either. Like better than Anshay Kopitar, better than Drew Doughty, better than Phil Deneau. Sure. Like he's incredible. And people always say, oh, he gets knocked down super easily and go, yeah. And he always comes up with the puck. So I don't care. And he doesn't get hurt and he doesn't hurt the team. The fact that he's small, I don't care. We talked to him earlier this year about it, and uh, he was asked, what's the bigger chip on your shoulder, that you weren't drafted or that everybody thinks you're too small? And he said, neither one's a chip. I love proving people wrong. Right. Great answer, right? So, Great answer, yeah. Again, I don't have a personal bias against smaller players. I'm just aware that it is a challenge for them sometimes, or it can be, I should say, a challenge. He's going to have a short leash, I think. If he does make it, I feel like he'll have an unreasonably short leash. But I think if the right team picks him and sees the good with the bad, um, and I mean, it was very interesting. I think today he did an interview at the Combine, and they asked him about his size and if he's worried about it, and he said no. 
Um, he's he's had like delayed bone growth. I think he was talking. <laughs> he was he said with his doctor like his family, all of his brothers are like that where they were really really short and then once they get closer to twenty. Like his older brother was like five seven when he was draft eligible, and no one really gave him the time of day. He's been in the USHL for two more years and became one of the. I think he's one of the better USHL players out there right now. I mean, he's nineteen, but he's not. He's six feet tall now, um, and it's, and he said his brother I think grew a few inches between eighteen and nineteen. So even if Lane if Lane Hudson plays this way now, and by the time he's twenty two years old, he's five ten five eleven, then he doesn't really have that issue. So and and. It, it, it's such a specific thing to point out and such a random thing to say. I mean, maybe it's his agent being like, Hey, like you should tell them you have <laughs> bone growth problems. But right. I mean, I believe it because his brother isn't five, seven and his, his younger brother is also very, very small and, and plays defense. But I think with him, I, you know, yeah, it's about taking the good with the bad understanding, you know, like you said about Blake Lazat, it's such a great example. Like he gets knocked over. Well, so what? Like, the, the, does the goal does the puck go in the net every time he falls over? No, right. he gets up. He gets up, skates after the puck, gets it back, and tries again. Like you just you go out there to play the game. You know, just because something goes wrong doesn't mean that you gotta toss the guy in the trash. It's like it's about a collection of events and how they all interact. So hopefully, with Hudson, I want him to work out. It would be great. Uh, it probably won't be in LA. I'd be surprised, but if it is, uh, it'll be a lot of fun, and and we'll see what happens. So now we're going to move on to two guys uh, that, I don't know, you tell me, they're ranked 21st and 20th uh, among North American skaters by NHL Central Scouting. I don't know if that makes both of them first-round potential. But uh, we're going to start with Owen Pickering, six foot four, 179 pounds, uh, yep. playing for the Swift Current Broncos. And just without knowing anything about him, just looking at his size and his name, he sounds like the kind of guy... <laughs> Uh, he sounds like a good Canadian farm boy <laughs> yeah. defenseman, right? Yeah, yeah. Owen Pickering, with Kurt Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean. yeah, that's about right. I would think. I mean, he is a big boy, mm-hmm. and it's funny we just finished talking about Lane Hudson because I actually came across this by accident a little while ago. But when he was drafted in the WHL at fourteen, I think he, they fifteen is when they draft him. Anyway, when he was drafted in the WHL, he was listed at five foot seven. So mm-hmm. he's he's gained about eight inches or seven inches of height in the last couple of years. And, and it, and you can kind of tell, like it makes a lot of sense when you watch him play, he plays like he's five ten. you know, he's, he's really skilled, you know, can really do some creative stuff with the puck that you don't see guys that are six, four, six, five do very often. Um, a really, really interesting player. I feel like he doesn't really know what to do with himself in terms of how he plays the game yet. Like he's still trying to feel out, Am I gonna am I am I gonna use this opportunity to skate up the ice with the puck? Am I gonna use this opportunity to hit a guy with a breakout pass? Am I gonna try to go for a three line pass and just bomb one out of the defensive end and try to hit a guy with a with a good hard pass? Or am I gonna try to juke off a defender and and get get the puck up the ice myself? Like he kind of juggles those things a little bit poorly. He kind of has trouble breaking pucks out consistently. Um, but part of that is also that his team isn't they were better than they've been in the past, but they had trouble receiving some of his passes and some of the stuff I say, I wouldn't say is his fault. Um, but the skill he's got is really impressive for a big defenseman like that. He is pretty slender for a big guy, but you, you know, you work on that, you know, he he's, he's a decently physical player, but I don't think he's an overwhelming defensive presence. At least not yet. Maybe he could be, he's got the range and the size to do it. 
Um, but right now he's very much a potential pick. Like you, you, he's, he's kind of very much a, uh, who knows what he could be, but I feel like, and it, you know, you ask, you probably surveyed 15 different NHL teams and they'll give you three different answers across the 15 of what type of player they'll, they'll want him to be right. Like more of a shutdown guy, more of a puck mover, more of a, more of a pass first guy, more of an offensive leaning guy. All those things I think are potentially there because I still think that he kind of hasn't really found a brand of play, but You've got a really strong set of feet under him. You know, he's fluid for a big guy. He's got really good skill for a big defenseman like that. And, you know, there might be some offensive upside that you could extract out of him for sure. He's scored pretty well this year on his team. Um, But I'll be very interested to see where he ends up in his career because I could see a very, very wide range of possibilities. There's a great quote from Craig Button about Owen Pickering. uh, And he says, all I see is development. All he needs is time. I don't see any inherent weaknesses in that kid's game. Um, and again, the strengths and weaknesses, strengths, hockey IQ, size, skating, shooting, under construction, uh, physicality and strength, and consistency with the puck. Consistency yep. comes with experience. And when it comes to physicality and strength, you know, you're talking about, what did he say, he grew seven inches or yeah, something like that? He's, yeah, he grew It's a lot. poor analogy, but when I was 22, 22, I think, 22, I went and spent a summer working the docks in Alaska. Uh-huh. Uh, and had been playing bronze level, you know, adult rec league hockey, um, went away for the summer, worked seven days a week. You know, I can't remember how many hours a day it was, but I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 or 16 hours a day, right? (laughs) Really hard physical labor. Um, And when I came back, you know, my body was completely different, right? My shoulders were bigger. My chest was bigger. I, I, I was strong. You know, I was stronger and leaner and, and it sure. took me, took me three months to figure out how to play after that abrupt change. And yeah. that wasn't, and it wasn't that abrupt a change. You know, I was 22. Yeah. Um, you get some of these kids, like you said, who from the time they're 15 to the time they're drafted, you know, look at Quentin Byfield, right? He's six foot four. Yeah. Um, I have no idea how tall he was when he was 13 or 14 years old, but I doubt Probably very not. much. It was six yeah, foot four. Not six four. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, after they're drafted, all of a sudden they're thrust into these professional environments where they're being asked to put on tons of muscle. Like, yeah, it'll take mm-hmm. a while to figure out who you are. Um, yeah. It's sort of I'm insane sure. that we draft these kids when they're that age, but I guess there's, I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> I know it is a little crazy. Um, I mean, I have my radical theories about stuff like that, but, well, it put is, a pin on that. Let's get to that as soon as we yeah. talk about our last player, because I also have my radical theories about that. Yeah. Uh, so that we're going to then uh, shift to uh, Kevin Korchinski, six foot two, ranked twentieth among North American skaters by the NHL uh, Central Scouting. Plays for the Seattle Thunderbirds, but he's from Saskatoon. Another good Canadian boy, seventeen. Good old Canadian defense, boy. But, yeah, we got an old Canadian boy. Um, almost stealthy is a phrase that's been used, climbing every draft board throughout the season. So, what do we know about uh, Kevin Korchinski? Well, I mean, he's one of these guys where if the if the if the LA Kings can get him at 19, which I think is like Mintukov, improbable but not impossible, mm-hmm. I would be pretty excited if I was a Kings fan. Like he is a really interesting defender. I he, he the name that I always 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 think about when I watch him is Jake Gardner. Like I I live in Toronto. I, I live in Toronto. I grew up here. I I saw Jake Gardner for all his pros and cons. Um, he had great pros and he drove great results, but when he wasn't very good, everybody knew. And then they told everybody that, that he wasn't very good and everybody thinks he's bad, but he actually in reality is better than a lot of people point him out. It Korchinski is a player who is probably one of the more fluid 
skaters on defense in this draft. He's really impressive with his skill and reading pressure and getting around it, you know, solving a layer of pressure, getting through it and, and pushing play up the ice. Really efficient uh, most of the time in offensive transition. Still kind of working on the on the passing game. Like he's a really good puck carrier. The passing is a bit of a work in progress. Still kind of struggles to hit targets. And I'm gonna um, I'm gonna jump in here real quick. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, the only reason I'm jumping in is because he uh, set the record for most assists by a rookie in the WHL. Yes. So even yeah. with even with suspect yeah. passing, 61 well, that's, assists. In, that's uh, the thing. Like it's in the offensive zone. Yeah, he is. He's really interesting. Like because most of it's driven through his skill in the offensive zone. He will. Not so much maybe jump into the offensive zone and, and play make plays from the below the, goal, below the goal line. But what he will do is much more about a little shift move uh, at the blue line to shake off a defender and make a little bit of a gap between them and then pull the puck the other way. And then there's an open seam that goes through the middle of the ice to a guy who's in front of the net or on in the faceoff circle or something like that. And when he does that, yeah, like those kinds of plays can absolutely drive offense. And, you know, he runs the power play there when I've seen them. Uh, you know, he's a great player off the blue line there. And, and I think that that's kind of where he's making a lot of that production is just working off the blue line, getting pucks to forwards deeper in the offensive zone. And then they finish the job for him. I don't really think he's that much of a real shooter. Like I don't see him going out there and blasting shots from the point all year. And I think that's kind of indicated by having, I think he only had four goals this year or something, which I don't see that as a bad thing, really. Like I don't really want my defenseman scoring a ton of goals, but setting them up is much more is much different i would really love defensemen that can set up plays from the blue line uh and he can i think he's probably the best one of this year's draft maybe outside of simone nemich right now at doing that but he's also pretty good at it like he's no slouch um defensively i think he's a work in progress like he has trouble with physical and position he kind of takes the foot off the gas pedal if he doesn't have the puck sort of following guys around rather than pursuing them and pressuring them and putting them into a position they're uncomfortable and he can get drawn out of position a little bit by chasing guys around but that may also be a tactical thing but he also does kind of get burned a little bit here and there and it'll need to be worked on i think with him but he's no he's he's he gets the job done his results are pretty good overall um and and when he's really playing well the hands and the feet combined especially with the puck on his stick he's an impressive player and i feel like he'll be gone by 19 but if he's there he would be pretty high on the list, I think, to to add for LA. Well, the Kings have picks 19, 51, 84, 116, 148, and 180. So I feel like I feel like at least one of those is going to be a left shot defenseman. <laughs> you would think, yeah. And there are some good ones. Like there are some yeah. good ones. It's just they're very you you, you know, you got to be cognizant of what you're getting and and how and how the pros and cons sort of interact. Because especially on the left side. Like there are some safer bets, but there's a lot of sort of riskier, fun bets. And, you know, the Kings have kind of done both. Like, they've kind of ping-ponged back and forth of like, well, let's draft the risky, sort of skilled, offensive, maybe undersized guys. But also, we'll draft the bigger, sort of safer, you know, reasonable to see in the NHL guys like Gronz and Kursanov and all these other things. Like, let's just stick to the reliable ones. And so they kind of bounce back and forth. So, I mean, of the names we've spoken about today, I feel like, and at least one of them could be an easy target for them somewhere in the draft. And last year we saw the Kings use uh, draft picks to move up to target specific players. Yes. So I'm, I don't expect them to use all six of their picks this year. And I don't, uh, you know, I work for the team, but I don't have any insight onto that. That's just my hunch, given mm-hmm. the fact that they have, as we mentioned, tons of right shot defensemen, tons of uh, centers and 
frankly, plenty of wing. Um, but they don't have any goalies and they don't have any left shot D. You got a lot of everything. <laughs> well, except you got a lot of a lot. Yeah, yeah. Except like I said, except for goalies. Yeah. Uh, and and sort of shallow on left shot defense. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the episode. I'm gonna play an ad here real quick, but I wanted to hop on and let you know that the rest of the episode is not draft prep. Still a great conversation. I hope you listened to all of it. But if you're really just here to learn about draft eligible left shot defensemen, I I guess this is your stop. Bad calls, dirty slashing. We expect a little bull on the ice. But you know when we can't stand it? When we're tracking packages. Looking up tracking numbers, shipping statuses that never get updated. We call bullship. So we got Route. It's the free app that tracks everything you order online in one place. Route sends us real-time tracking updates, or we can pop into the app to see where our stuff is on an actual map. Download the Route app in the App Store or Google Play, or head to route.com to learn more. No bullshit, just great tracking. Before we let you go, Will, what uh, what's your number one radical uh, draft take that you? I'm on team. I'm on team. Abolish the draft. Yes, there's got to be a better. There's got to be a better way to do it. I love. I love watching junior hockey. I love seeing the next generation of players. Like that's kind of why I do it. It's Mm -hmm. just because I love going around the world, seeing what's out there, seeing who the next sort of guys are, and and why, and like what makes them so interesting and unique. And I I don't know. I'm a big believer in the idea that the right fit matters a lot. You know, good players can be drafted by bad teams and then they never go as far as they could. Or they get drafted by a team where they're like, you know, like, okay, cool. Like I got drafted by this team, but like, whatever. My, My alternative, my alternative that I've always milled about in my head is, you know, instead of the draft, you give each team like X number of entry level contract slots that you could trade. So if you're like a rebuilding team, and you have, say, five entry-level contract slots, teams could trade you theirs, and you could, give them, you could give them a player, or you could give them a whatever, right. and then you could sign, there's like a, you, you know, you have like a month-long period where you're only allowed to talk to these junior players and try to negotiate these deals in advance. You could sign however many you want, or you don't have to use them at all. But if you do use one, like, if you do use one, you can't, you know, you're locked in with that player. You don't get them reset the next year. Like once they get off their entry level deals, you get that slot back or you trade the player, you get that slot back or something like that. I don't know. But to me, it just feels like right now it's, it's a very strange thing we do to 17 and 18 year old kids of like, okay, we're going to, you're from Slovakia. Well, hope you enjoy, you know, uh, Dallas, Texas, (laughs) like, or something like that. Whereas, I feel like, and, and a lot of people say, well, what about the bad teams? Like, what if bad teams can't attract talent? It's like, well, then get good. Like, yeah, be, be better. hundred percent. Be, be better at convincing talent that they're that you're the right destination. You, you could, you'll get ice time. You'll get tons of resources devoted to you. Like, you'll have, you know, think of creative ways to have player development staff to be like, we have, we can offer you weekly meetings, daily meetings, whatever you want. Like, Build a better facility, hire yeah, better staff, like, offer this more is, compensation. Th- this is the type of team we want to be. And if we're this type of team and we're good, we'll fill the seats regardless. And you're going to love it. And you're going to be a key part of that or something like that. Because right now it's just sort of like sitting back in a chair and going like, I guess this guy will do. And you just like draft him. And I think let's, the draft. Y- y- let's just, talk about Lane Hudson because, and sorry to sure. jump in there, but there, there are so many different reasons I believe in getting rid of the draft and everybody always, everybody has their own reason to attack. And then I yeah. get flustered to defensive and I start focusing on that one thing, yeah. even though there's, like I said, multiple reasons, but I think Lane Hudson sort of comes down to one that I often overlook, which is what is he? 17 years old, 18 yeah. years old, 17. Yeah. 
why should he get drafted by a team that may have zero intention of of even signing him to a contract or yeah. playing him for two more years? Then he signs an ELC. Then he spends two more years right in their development program. He could be 22 by the time they have any intention of giving him a glimpse at the NHL, mm-hmm. whoever it is that drafts him. Um, why not allow him to spend those four years crafting his career the way that he would like it to be crafted? Right. And then when he's ready to be an asset for an NHL team, well then let them compensate him for it. Yeah. Instead of just quote unquote owning his rights yeah. <laughs> for two years as an adult. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah, I, I I like that idea too. I mean, it's an interesting way to do it. I mean, in my world, I think those entry level slots would also, I mean, there might be upper level limitations to the amount of money you could spend on a player, mm-hmm. but those limitations would be significantly higher than what they are now for me. Like I would rather have 17, 18, 19 year old, 19 year old players get paid in more of a free market where yeah. teams can, teams can outbid each other for them too. Cause it's like, you know, if I'm, if I'm some kid from Columbus and the blue jackets want to pay me $4 million a year, but then here comes the Florida Panthers and they want to pay me seven. Like that makes the choice a lot more difficult, but you know, on one hand, like it, it, it makes it so that I'm excited to go to Florida for one reason, right? I'm getting paid a lot of money. They clearly really, really want me. They believe in me. That's great. Like I feel valued and like I'm going to put in the work because they're valuing me ideally or Columbus. They're not paying me as much, but I'm at home. I'm, I'm happy to be at home. I get to, I, I've loved this team for a long time. They also really want me. They just can't afford me as much. Like I know some people say, well, people would just spend all the money and just get all the good guys. And I'm like, I don't think that's how it would actually happen in reality. It, it like isn't. if I'm <laughs> Yeah, like I feel like isn't. I feel like young players would be like, Well, how are you gonna fit me into your lineup when you just yeah. went out and signed four top four like guys you think could play in the top four and you're telling me I could be the same thing? Like if you're if you're Austin Matthews and Edmonton already has Connor McDavid. Yeah, you're, you're not, not going, going to Edmonton. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe you will, but then again, like if you like in my world you'd have a total like you'd have you'd say like you could spend however much you want on these guys mm-hmm. but the total number of entry level value is un- has to be under x i like that. if you if you go out and sign connor mcdavid and you're like hey we'll give you 12 million dollars a year as a 17 year old but your total budget for entry level deals is 15 million dollars that limits your ability to go out and get say the next season austin matthews or go in 2017 and say hey nico Heischer, we'll pay you 10 million dollars cuz then i could see teams like toronto going out and being like here how much will it cost to bring you to toronto how much will it cost? How much will it cost? Whereas if you put a limit on that, they might, Toronto might have been able to go out and get Brant Clark last summer, but right. then they probably wouldn't have much space to sign much of anything else and they'd be quite limited. But if a guy, and you know, assuming the NCAA rules stay how they are, someone like Lane Hudson, if he does want to go to college, he doesn't have to sign these deals. He could say, well, next year you could pick me up or the year after you could pick me up and maybe two years from now, instead of being a $750,000 flyer to, to not go to college, he could come back at 20 or 21 and NHL teams are contract in hand being like, can you come over now? We want to bring you in. And he goes, okay. So I get the feeling that that's, it's more player centric. It's more about, you know, like we have a lot of complaints out there about young players now not making as much, they don't have as much earning power as they should. Mm. It's very limited where, you know, and I think a lot of money gets spent on players that are older because I, I really don't know why. Like it's a, a lot of the times those contracts end up biting you in the butt. But if you have a system in place for young players where it's about the team convincing them that they're the right fit and then the players make the decision, that could be an interesting way to do things that that flips things around and puts a lot more responsibility on the teams to 
be good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and one final thought, and I bring this up to everybody, but I'll just toss it out there and you can agree with it or disagree with it. The The number one argument that I always hear when I bring up getting rid of the draft is, well, like you said, the bad teams right, will stay bad forever and the good teams will stay good forever and boo-hoo parody. Um, and I always say, just look at the Eastern Conference this season. Mm-hmm. Eight really good teams and eight really bad, well, six really bad teams and two not as good. <laughs> two not as good. And the West wasn't that much different. Yeah. You know, really strong at the top, really weak at the bottom. And then, yeah, there were a couple bubble teams. But, yeah. I, you know, just personally, I'm not interested in a league where there's Montreal, Arizona, Detroit, Buffalo, Seattle, where every year there's six or seven teams that are just garbage from Jump yeah. Street. Like, well, and, why is that fun for anybody? And- it isn't. And I think what I would say as well is that a lot of teams, like just because you're bad doesn't mean you're going to get better. Like right. just, just because right. you're drafting really high doesn't guarantee. It's yeah. nothing. No, it's just, you get a good player. Out, but all right. <laughs> Shoot, I'm sorry. It, it's, That's all right. It's, no, it's fine. I, I like bunk. Stuff out, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's bunk. <laughs> it's like, so yeah, I well, look, look at, at Buffalo, right? I mean, exactly. Like they're yeah. an example. Like it helps. It certainly helps, but it took, it took Edmonton. Edmonton was bad when I was in high school mm-hmm. and it took them, it took them until like what last year to really sort of cross into like, and let's be clear. Connor McDavid is unbelievable. Yes. Right? Like I am I am now actually rooting for him while I root against his stupid yeah, team. Same. Me too. Because <laughs> is because I think I think hockey fans should be angry at Edmonton. I used to say this about Calgary back when they were refusing to get rid of um Kippersoff and Aginla and and you know, every year they were like, Oh yeah. well, this will be the year. And every year it was not the year. Yeah. And they were just bad, 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 bad. And I would just say, like, why, like, why is it not considered negligence on Edmonton's part that they have, you know? And now we're looking at it, right? Like, okay, yes, they beat the Kings in the first round. Congrats, yep. you beat a bubble team missing two of its better players. I love that series, by the way. I, I love did the Kings. too. Oh, so much <laughs> Thank fun. <you. laughs> I'm gonna clip that out. Uh, um, and then they dummied Calgary. Nobody, I have no idea how that happened. And now they're getting dummied by by Colorado. So did they finally put it all together or did they actually just play in the weakest division in the league? Yeah. I mean, I think they're playing a little bit better, but like they still have big, big problems. Like I think they're still flawed, right? Like they're very good. They're about as good as they possibly can be based on how they're built. I think, but like they still, I still don't think they're like, you know, over that level yet. You know, it's, it's frustrating. And you can see, you can see the difference in game one and game three, right? Of how Colorado treated them. Yeah. Colorado was the, I actually think we've learned more about Colorado and how they've beaten Edmonton. I'm watching it going, Oh, I get it. This is why yeah. they haven't made it out of the second round previously. Cause they do right. have a tendency to play with their food. But yeah. when they're, when they're <laughs> it's a good way know, of putting it, yeah. when they're done and they've said like, all right, enough is enough. They're freaking good. Like, yeah. So, later. so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's a good point to make about people who critique, Oh, well, if you get rid of the draft and this, this, and this happens, well, I go, well, you know, it's the other thing too, like, yes, bad teams can stay bad, even though they draft really high. But the other thing to keep in mind too, is like, when you look back at the drafts, like the order that the players go in almost never turns out to be exactly how valuable the player is to their team. Like it's usually like maybe a guy like Shane Wright this year is going to be far and away better than everybody else. But I, I think he'll be part of a small group at the top of this draft. When we look back, I don't know who else will be in that group, but I think there will be other players that, catch up or even surpass him in terms of overall value it's not impossible and 
you know, if you're a team that understands that and goes, well, yeah, like everybody wants the first overall pick, but I, I tell fans all the time, like some fans are like, oh, beside themselves because their team moved down two spots in the draft. And I think I told you this on your show uh, with Brant Clark. It's like in the NHL draft for the Kings, like someone in 2021 at that pick, I think it was nine or eight, eight. someone, someone's going to be available there where it's an easy call to just be like, well, he'll be good. Like it, it, I don't know exactly who they're going to take, but other teams will draft players and someone's going to get pushed down in that group. And for them, it was either Gunther or Clark that I would have been like, yeah, after that, I think there's a bit of a drop off, but Brant Clark, like at eight, I'm more than happy. Could he be the eighth best player to come out of the draft? Yeah, possibly. Could he be more than that? That would be nice, and I think it's possible. So <laughs> it would be nice if you if you look if you look back on drafts. It's like, well, yes, having the lottery picks is important, but how many times do guys go undrafted in the first round, second round, even undrafted in total, and end up being everyday NHL players? I think there's more undrafted players in the NHL right now than third round, fourth round picks. So that, to me, it gives that would gives be a teams, fascinating stat to dig up. I'm pretty sure that there are more players that are huh. undrafted than like third round picks. I'm 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 not positive, but I think I saw that floating around a little while ago. I did a study actually, it was funny for I did a I did a presentation at the Ottawa Hockey Analytics Conference not too long ago and it was looking at defensive value in the draft and how cuz it seems to still be kind of misunderstood of like how to evaluate defensive talent at this age. And I looked at the top players in the NHL that were that were evaluated with defensive value only so i threw offense out the window who are the best defensive defensemen available uh, over the last 10 years and i looked and i i can't remember the exact number but of the top 50 over the last three seasons or the prior three seasons or over the sorry over the last decade the top 50 i think there were more undrafted players in that Mm. list than first round picks or second round picks in terms of defensive value and a lot of them were undrafted so i looked at it and went well those guys, you know, either they improved a lot after they were draft eligible, or a lot of them were like undersized guys that you wouldn't think play good defense, but they play so much offense that their results are better defensively than their teammates. So, you know, like Eric Carlson was on there as a, as a pretty <laughs> decent value defensive player because yeah. of the offense that he has. So in any, in any case, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, there's, there's still inefficiencies in the draft system, I guess you could say. It's, it's a little bit silly to me. I think it's very team focused and gives the team a lot of excuses and ways to sort of, you know, make things seem more difficult than they are. Whereas for me, it's like, I'd rather let the players decide where they want to play and allow like people who are passionate like me, like convince them that this is the right landing spot for them. And we see a clear path for them. And it's like, Hey, we'll pay you X amount. Like we'll, we'll make, we'll get into a bidding war for you. Cause we want you, you know, whereas they don't really get that luxury. Now it's just sort of, Hey, you're our draft pick here come to camp thanks see you next season you know and maybe that works for a lot of guys but i feel like there's a lot of guys where they don't really hit their hit their stride because of psychological stuff that is really hard to predict from the outside looking in i could talk about this for another two hours but <laughs> i'm right. gonna i'm gonna stop myself because i'm sure my <laughs> listeners i know everybody right, we'll, we'll chat crazy. after the show we'll yeah exactly yeah. uh king's fans if there's anything to take away from this episode it's uh, owen pickering and abolish the draft so uh, we'll <laughs> we'll scout <laughs> Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. It was a good time.